With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. everyone. This is Susan Wingate. I'm your host today for Dialogue Between the Lines. My wonderful co-host, Joshua Graham, is currently at Thriller Fest, and so he will not be here today, but his books are out. Um, his uh, award-winning Darkroom is available, as well as Beyond Justice, and his latest release, Terminus, is available for sale. So please check those books out, and you can find Joshua at Joshua hyphengram.com. I'm Susan Wingate, like I said, and you can find all of my information on www.susanwingate.com. And I am just thrilled to uh, tell everyone about some good news. Um, Hotter Than Helen is selling like hotcakes. Sorry, I had to do that. Uh, it's selling so well. So thank you to all of the, my readers out there. I certainly appreciate it and am honored by your trust in my writing. I I am totally honored by that. And um, and just some more good news about my YA novel, my young adult uh, romantic fantasy called Spider Brains. That got an incredible review at um, uh, and it's on it's on Spider Brains website as well, and you can find that. Uh, but it's just uh, it was a five star review, and I'm just thrilled to pieces about that. So. Um, and uh, I've got some great news about uh, drowning. Drowning is doing well, and um, I'm just happy as a clam. My writing on my new novel is going great, so all of you writers out there, keep plugging away, butt in chair, fingers on the keyboard, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, and you'll get there. Um, I, again, I, I want to tell you that we've got a wonderful guest today. His name is Jeffrey Blunt, and he is an award-winning um, author, and uh, he has uh, quite an interesting background as a film director first, a television director, and, and also an award recipient for script writing on some documentary film projects. Um, Jeffrey Blunt is, and I'm going to read his bio off of his website, which is Jeffrey Blunt, spelled B-L-O-U-N-T dot com, and that's Jeffrey with an E, two E's, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, B-L-O-U-N-T dot com. And I'm looking at his bio right now, and it's pretty incredible. Jeffrey Blunt is an Emmy Award-winning television director and an award recipient for script writing on multiple documentary projects. 
Born and raised in rural Virginia, he now lives in Washington, D.C. with his wife, Jean Meserve, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They have two children, Julia and Jake, but he has so much more to talk to you about. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Jeffrey Blunt. You are on the air. Good af- Good morning. It's afternoon for you, uh, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's Good correct. morning, afternoon. How are, uh, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. How are you doing? And, and thank you so much. For... Oh, and congratulations thank you. on your book. Thank you very much. It's been it, that was a, a real effort in in uh, love and and uh, immaturity, if you really want to know the truth. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy day. I know that you are not just an uh, uh, an author of fiction. Uh, you're not just a novelist, but you're also a director. So um, I'm sure you're being pulled in all sorts of directions. Yes, it's a busy career uh, in the news business, and um, I've been doing it for for quite some time, and it does keep you hot. So what what station are you with? Well, I work with NBC, the network, and um, I my main job is directing the um, Washington portions of NBC Nightly News. Um, I directed Meet the Press for a decade, um, and uh, I recently, we just put to bed, the Chris Matthews show, which was a Sunday talk show that I directed for 11 years, which is was uh, just has just gone off the air. And, um, and other things include, um, you know, special events in Washington, like uh, press conferences and State of the Union addresses and things like that. Oh, so so uh, little uh, human interest story. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I, I'm sitting here. My my grin is getting bigger and bigger. Wow, you are so busy. So really, I do appreciate you taking time out of your day to um, come and chat with me. Um, you've written two novels, and yes. the latest is called Hating Heidi Foster. Can you tell us a little bit about this story? And, I, and then after you talk a little bit, I'm going to, going to read the actual blurb. Okay, um, well, it's a story about uh, two best friends, and um, the the idea is uh, about uh, friendship and the meaning behind friendship, the depth uh, of, of a really true friendship, uh, and how it attaches yourself, attaches itself deeply inside you in a way that you don't even really know until it's tested. You know, it's sort of that old adage, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And um, right. and that's what this book is about. It's about deep friendship and what it means, how it how it you if you want to get away from it, sometimes you can. It, it's so much a part of who you are. Well, it, and it's just a very it's a deep and thoughtful piece of writing. And I just want to read the blurb. Um, it's on your website, Jeffrey at um, jeffreyblunt.com, and that blunt is spelled B-L-O-U-N-T. Um, and it's on under books, the tab for under books, and it's Hating Heidi Foster. And I'm going to read now the blurb. It says, May McBride and Heidi Foster were the very best of friends. Tied at the hip from early elementary school, their friendship was the stuff of storybooks, legendary even, in the minds of their high school classmates, unshakable. That is, until May's father died while saving Heidi's life. When May finds out, she blames Heidi. She blames her father for putting Heidi ahead of her. She blames her friends for taking Heidi's side. She begins to unravel amid that blame and her uncontrollable and atypical anger. 
at the same time Heidi is beset by guilt, falls into depression and stops eating properly, wasting away physically and emotionally while waiting for May to let her back into the friendship she misses so dearly. May, consumed by her hatred of Heidi, the confusion regarding her father's motives, the perceived desertion of her friends and her mother's grief, loses more and more of herself. What could possibly bring these two old friends back to each other? A miracle? Hating Heidi Foster is a young adult novel about the place of honor true friendships hold in our lives. It is about suffering and loss and the ethics of grief. It is about deep and painful conflict, the bright light of selflessness and sacrifice, and the love that rights the ship and carries us safely to port. Wow. That's quite a blurb and um, quite a story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with this idea? Sure. Um, My daughter, Julia, um, from the time she was in second grade, had an incredible friendship um, with another girl named Emily. And the two girls were inseparable. Um, They brought the families very close together. Um, and they took them, took each other, you know, carried each other through the, the normal ups and downs of uh, early childhood development and, and uh, middle school. And, uh, and they uh, moved on into high school, still carrying their friendship, and they had a big group of friends um, that they uh, moved in and out of. And my wife and I were blessed by having them uh, love to be at our house, so we got to see this large group of kids a lot. And in the, uh, I think it was late October, early November of her senior year of high school, I watched Julia and Emily in, in the middle of all these group of kids who were at our house that night making spaghetti, and I think we're about to watch a movie, and they passed each other very quickly. And in passing each other, I caught them kind of uh, raise an eyebrow and smile at each other, and then they kept moving. And in that moment, I realized that they had had a conversation the way that parents are able to across the dinner table by winking or nodding or brothers or, or best friends can do. You can have a conversation without ever having said a word. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, you have to have a pretty intense friendship or a pretty intense relationship so that you really understand each other. And um, it, that moment told, told me about how deep that friendship had, had gotten and what it had meant to the girls. And I realized that at a certain point in time, you know, a few months, they would be going off to college. And uh, Emily was going one direction, Julia going in another direction. And like with uh, my friends, when I left high school within, uh, I would say, two or three years, I'd lost contact with most uh, of them. And, And later on, there was only one that stayed in my life. And I was fearful that they would separate and not remember what this friendship meant to them. And that was the genesis of, of coming up with a story that, um, you know, that I, I felt uh, touched upon the, the deepness of, of these kinds of friendships and what they really mean to us and, and, and how they uh, deeply affect our lives and, and how we depend on them. Uh, and so that was the genesis for Hating Heidi Foster. Wow, it, and, and you do talk about that in um, on your website at... Um, jeffreyblunt.com, that's B-L-O-U-N-T dot com. And the tab is Backstory. And it's just an incredible, well, it just shows an incredible amount of sensitivity on your part. And then to have this story unwind in your head, um, you uh, 
you you do talk about the concept of the eating disorder that she starts to waste away and you speak that she's she's not eating properly and and then she's yeah. wasting away emotionally as well but um can you talk to us a little bit about how why you came up with the that um as a as a plot device and well why you thought it would be important well the eating disorder yeah yeah well I, you know, both my kids um, in their time in school have had um, classmates or friends who who've dealt with uh, eating disorders. And for me, when I was writing the book um, and and how I viewed it, looking through my kids' eyes, it was probably one of the most serious um, issues that the kids had to to deal with and and watch their friends go through. As teenagers, you know, uh, I, I certainly with me, you often find, feel like you can do anything and nothing's going to happen to you. And then, but when you see someone in that kind of, of having that t- kind of stress in their life and that kind of trouble in their lives, and to a point that it affects them physically and they can't eat and so forth and so on, um, it's an indicator that um, that person's life is in serious. Um, uh, in, in a seriously stressful uh, situation and in danger of, you know, continued health uh, problems and, and more. Um, and so as a writer, you uh, wanted to, to put Heidi in a position where um, this the loss of the friendship, it, it, what it shows is how important the friendship was to her. Because mm-hmm. these are serious, these are serious things that catapult kids into the, you know, the issues of eating disorders and, and struggles in their lives, and, and losing control and part of the eating, and, uh, and what um, a lot of people that we've learned through these situations is that many eating disorders uh, reflect a lack of control in their lives, and they're trying to take control of something, and and what this friendship did to her when when she felt it going away from her, she felt that lack of control, and that's a part of why I wanted to include that because it would show um, the extreme desperation and the extreme hurt that Heidi carried um, when she felt she was losing her friend, when she was losing May. So, and this is a, a story of extreme grief from yes. several different perspectives, from the perspective, perspective, of course, of May's mother, but May herself, who loses her father, and then yeah. Heidi, who not only loses a friend of her, uh, her father's friend, or her, her friend's father, but her friend too by removing herself from her life. Um, it, it this is a, a real deep piece, and um, and I would just is there any chance that you could read maybe three paragraphs or uh, you know wherever you feel comfortable stopping. Sure. Um, I think I will, um, I, I, since it's, you know, when you go online, you can see the first page, so I'll read the first three paragraphs. Would that do? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I have never been very good with faces. It often took many meetings and surreptitious glances before I was able to rightfully place those freckles, that wide grin, the plucked brows, or to place a face to a name. Even after someone had been in my life for years, I could easily fail to conjure up that person's face if they dropped out of my world for any significant amount of time. 
This flaw of mine has always been a part of me, but before this moment, it had never seemed insurmountable. There had always been some time for some facial reconnections, but the stakes had never been this high before. What to do with this chink in my armor, now that there was a truly important face that needed remembering? What to do? That's when I found myself thinking as I looked past my grandfather at the water's edge to Mummy, who was standing waist-deep in the slow-moving river. Her arms were wrapped around her body tightly, her shoulders rising and falling with her sobs. Just seconds before, she'd completed the ceremonial task that would mark the end of my father's life. With her friend Lil standing on the riverbank singing Amazing Grace, she'd waded in and stopped with her back to all of us. I tried to imagine what she was thinking, feeling, or whispering to him. But that hurt too much, so I tried to concentrate only on Lil singing. And when that didn't work, I closed my eyes and tried to lose myself in my grandmother's arms, which were wrapped tightly around me. But I could feel her against my back, her body quivering with a mother's grief for her son. There could be no peace for me there. So I opened my eyes and returned my gaze to Mummy just as her arms began to rise. She'd opened the urn, and I could see rose petals spreading out on the water on either side of her. With Lil still in full song, and the petals floating away along with Daddy's ashes, I felt something go very wrong inside. I hated. And that's oh how it began. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so powerful. It's so powerful and such an important piece. Um, and it's interesting that you uh, wrote this in first person. What yes. was your reasoning for that? Well, I wanted it to be, um, there were a couple of, you know, I had thought about going back and forth um, for, uh, you know, May's feelings and Heidi's feelings. But I, I felt and I thought um, to write it any other way would uh, dilute um, the the stress and the pain that, she was feeling, and I felt in order to tell the story properly to get the emotional uh, you know, impact that I wanted, I had to be inside May's head, and she had to talk to the reader and not have a narrator tell us what she was feeling, because some of the things I think the way she, um, the way May brings them out, I don't think a narrator could tell, and so I wanted to be in her head, and I wanted her to be dealing constantly with the stress so that you would grow with her and feel her pain and, and, and feel her anguish um, and, and along, the, you know, along the way as the story unfolded. So you talk about having a narrator, uh, a, another storyteller, telling this story, and it's just not quite, didn't quite fit. When you first started right. writing this, was it, it, did it come out in first person? Oh, absolutely, right from the beginning. Oh, isn't that interesting? That is just beautiful. Yeah. I love to hear how people first started writing their work. Um, it's always, right. uh, yeah, it it just seems like that if it comes out in a certain point of view, um, then that's the way it should stay. You know, just yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I I agree. I even started thinking about it that way when it, when uh, when the book started to take form in my head. It never happened without hearing um, through through May's uh, without it coming through May's eyes. Um, I through knew I was going to have two characters, yeah, through first person, and I knew there was going to there were going to be two characters. Um, and mm-hmm. I, um, at the time, I actually when I first wrote the book, I was actually using both the, the, my daughter and her friend's actual names 
but I knew it was going to come through that main characters uh, in the in the first person because I just uh, felt it from the beginning uh, that it needed to be intense and it needed to come through that person's heart and soul and and uh, and to the reader. And I love the fact that you have the inciting event uh, at, at the very beginning, anyway, um, in happened just before the story begins. We're seeing the effect of the inciting event at the funeral, right. at the at the service. I shouldn't say the funeral, but at the uh, at the um, pouring out of the ashes. Um, what an intense and emotional piece! It's very it's very well written and it's it's just touching. So bravo on that! It's a great story. Um, Okay, so we know about your story, about this amazing book called Hating Heidi Foster. Tell us about Jeffrey Blunt. Uh, well, I was um, I'm, was raised on a farm in a little town called Smithfield, Virginia. Um, and while in high school, I, I began to, to write. And the, the first time I remember... Um, ever thinking I had some talent was I was in uh, a high school uh, English class and we had to write a descriptive paragraph and I had written a paragraph about uh, a homeless person and I'm not sure why I I chose that but I did and then after writing that um, the teacher had us all go uh, around and, and read the paragraph and after I finished reading my paragraph there was silence and I realized that my friends, that group of cynical and, and rowdy group that I uh, was with, had stopped and were paying attention and sort of waiting to see if there was more to that coming. <laughs> so it Isn't told that me at wonderful? That point, yeah, so it told me at that point that I might have uh, some abilities there. Um, but I was also working at that time at the local paper, the Smithfield Times, and uh, I had journalism in in my mind, and I became a cub reporter there, writing feature stories and and writing uh, sports stories. And then I went off to college um, at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and and studied broadcast journalism. From there, went into television, and um, uh, I decided to go on the production side and do the directing, which I really loved and still do. But I also still carried on the writing. Um, I wrote um, myself out of my freshman English class and and, and had a special um, uh, meeting once or twice a week with a professor because I was working on my first novel at the time. And and, um, she was helping me go through that um, in lieu of going to the writing class. So, again, there was something that told me I thought that told me I had uh, some talent. And then into skipping ahead many years, a friend of mine who's a director um, uh, who also went to college with me, Joe Cortina, had his own production company, and he knew that I liked to write, and he was about to do um, some films for the Muhammad Ali Center in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, and uh, museum pieces, documentary pieces. And he asked if I would write the scripts for those. And so I wrote six scripts, uh, for that, um, and then I began writing uh, more, and we've done everything from, uh, you know, the history of the American Army. We have pieces in the museum in Washington D.C. Uh, and in quite a few other museums around the country. 
um, and traveling, actually traveling pieces as well, uh, documentaries. Uh, and so um, I constantly was doing that, and always fiction was in my mind, and always I've been writing fiction. And then in um, skipping back a little bit, in the early 90s, my wife, who was an ABC uh, news correspondent at the time, had gone to uh, the Middle East for bureau duty, and while she was there, I began writing what was my first book, Almost No White. Um, and then, um, then Julia and Jay came along, and I was writing here and there and here and there, but uh, um, between work and family, um, there wasn't a whole lot of time for you know um, writing serious fiction. But then when I, was, when I saw this incident with Julia and Emily, I was moved to the point that um, I felt I had to get back to that, and, and the only way I could deal with that was in writing fiction. And so that took me back to uh, hating Heidi Foster. But and, in, the, you know, in the process... He- Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, what were you going to say, please? Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, uh, alongside my writing, you know, I have, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been at uh, NBC for quite a few years and um, doing the Washington portions of NBC Nightly News, directing, I directed Meet the Press for a decade, and um, uh, as I said, the Chris Matthews show um, as well. Yeah. Wow. And it... it, it what a busy life, but we're so happy that you decided to write some fiction. You know, and while you were talking, it, and it's it's odd. I'll find in when I I teach a lot of um, writing at a lot of writing conferences, and I have taught um, nonfiction as well, just for structural purposes. I don't consider myself a nonfiction author, but. Um, I have a very good friend who is a nonfiction author and and, a, and an agent who who specializes in nonfiction. So the three of us would will go on these tours and uh, and teach these classes. And I find that there is very little crossover, and That's people right. either love. There, isn't that interesting? Have you found yeah, that I, yourself? I agree with you. Absolutely, absolutely. In and fact, that you've I'm on vacation done it. now. Oh well. Well, I think part of that is, um, you know, the love for reading, which keeps you in the world of fiction. Uh, and I love to read fiction uh, more than I do uh, nonfiction. I read a lot more fiction than nonfiction. And, um, but in the, the nonfiction world of writing, being in the journalism world kind of keeps you in that mode, that factual mode of, you know, research and, um, and, and, and fact-based writing and the, the, if, the, if the two join at all, it's in you know putting something a coherent story together, and so that you know you have your you have a beginning, a middle, and an end that all uh-huh. flow together and are and are appropriate for what to follow what came before. Um, so if if there's a joining point, that would be it. But yeah, it's very different. Um, but I I I treasure and while I love doing the documentary stuff, I treasure doing the fiction in part because it's a story I made up, it's people I made up, it's a world I made up, but it's also the attempt to address, um, you know, uh, things that you feel you need to address, including this idea of friendship and, and hating Heidi Foster. You know, it began with, it's, it's a gift for my daughter Julia and her friend Emily, but I think it's a gift, a larger gift for, for readers in general when, you know, you're thinking about, um the the place that people have in your lives and the friends that have touched you and and if your relationship were stressed um how would you deal with it where do you think your friendship would go um could you get through something as as um tragedy as, as tragic as a death 
um, of a loved one uh, uh, or something happening to your friend or your friend being involved in something that hurt you and could you get back to that friend. Um, and right. all of those those things are involved in this book and trying to, you know, uh, touch the heart of people and recognizing what this means to them. Well, I'll tell you, you, you spoke of it as a gift and your this piece of work is a very important piece of work, this novel called Hating Heidi Foster. And I have to say thank you very much for being on our show. We're, it always happens like this. We come down to the wire and... <laughs> <laughs> and there's no more time, and I could I feel like I could talk to you for another half an hour. Thank you so much, Jeffrey Blunt, for being on the show and for writing this wonderful young adult novel called Hating Heidi Foster. Oh, Susan, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care, and I hope you come back on our show again. Love to. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, what a wonderful person, uh, what a sensitive soul, and um, just a great story. I, I encourage everybody listening to go out and get this book. It's fabulous. I mean, you heard that the first three paragraphs. It's so powerful and touching and absorbing. And that woman is going to make me crazy. Anyway, but um, Jeffrey Blunt's. Hating Heidi Foster, please go out and get this book. It's important. Um, again, I'm Susan Wingate for Dialogue Between the Lines. Uh, Joshua Graham is at Thriller Fest. If you're in the area, go see him. He'd love to say hello to everybody. And um, he's at www.joshua-graham.com. I'm at Susan susanwingate.com. And next week we're off. So the 18th, we won't have a show, but the 25th, we have Margaret Cole on. So um, she's a wonderful author, and I hope you'll come and uh, listen to that show as well. But for now, I'm going to sign off and say bye-bye. Thank you again for being with us. Take care. You've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.